In a desperate attempt to gain some sort of a sense of control over the spread of the COVID-19, governments across Europe are looking out to the Far East for lessons on how to trace the spread of the virus. Welcome to your Active's Digital Brief podcast with me, Samuel Stolton, where I'll be looking into this issue further, as well as giving a breakdown of the week's biggest European tech news stories in the world of politics and policy. Now, we start today, and how could we not, of course, by looking at the tech world in the context of the spread of the coronavirus? I'll be focusing in on a new initiative, and it's a bit of a tongue twister, so please bear with me. It's called the Pan-European Privacy Preserving Proximity Tracing Project. There you go. I managed that one. It was launched yesterday and involves the participation of eight European countries. Now, What proximity tracing actually means in this context is that smartphone data will be analysed to trace the contacts that people may have had with coronavirus infectees. This will be done by examining the Bluetooth handshakes that may have been registered when two individuals come in close proximity with one another. The project leaders say that it's an anonymous and privacy-preserving approach to contact tracing and that it fully abides by the EU's General Data Protection Regulation. The reaction in the privacy community has also uh, been relatively positive to the idea of using Bluetooth signals for contact tracing. Privacy International said earlier this week that Bluetooth contact tracing apps are some of the least intrusive ways of using data to fight against COVID. Now, the most publicised case of contact tracing being used to track the spread of the coronavirus has probably been in Singapore as part of the Trace Together app. Interestingly enough, earlier this week, the former EU Digital Commissioner, Andras Ansip, um, publicised this uh, project from Singapore, only to be somewhat rebuked by the European Data Protection Supervisor, who asked Mr Ansip to be cautious in comparing examples from Singapore with the European situation. Remember, Singapore has a very specific legal regime on the identification of the device holder, the EDPS told Mr. Ansip. That being said, Singapore has provided an interesting model for various national initiatives to take shape in Europe. Um, Ireland, earlier this week, announced that they are to roll out a similar app, and you can find more information about this on your active. They've also responded to some of the privacy concerns. Uh, The Irish Computer Society published a survey yesterday showing that 87% of the Irish public would be happy for their personal data and medical records to be used um, under public health emergency crises such as the one that we currently find ourselves in. So perhaps the narrative is changing in the privacy world with regards to how we regard our personal data uh, in these various testing and trying times. Now, in terms of other public contact tracing initiatives underway in Europe, uh, earlier this week it transpired that the UK's National Health Service are currently working on their own app and the Norwegian Institute of Public Health have developed their own project. Of course, there is also a host 
of digital contact tracing initiatives in the private and charity sectors underway, including the Austrian Red Cross's Stop Corona app and Germany's GeoHealth app. Now, in this story, I think the next pressing question is whether or not these apps will be made mandatory in the future. And as the coronavirus spreads deeper and deeper across the continent, these types of questions will only become more pertinent. Now, along this axis, uh, the German Justice Minister Christine Lambrecht said earlier this week that such apps should only ever be used voluntarily. So we'll have to watch this space on that one. Moving on to the other European tech news of the week, but staying in the arena of the coronavirus crisis, we have a series of other news stories for you. Now, do you remember Palantir? Yes, the same Palantir of immigration and customs enforcement fame whose tech was used to track undocumented immigrants in the US. Indeed, yes, according to an article in Bloomberg yesterday, the company is in discussions with authorities in France, Germany, Austria and Switzerland to potentially provide data analytics software. Now, continuing with COVID-19, Euractiv's Aneta Zakova reports this week that the smart quarantine system in the Czech Republic, which traces past movements and contacts of positively tested people to find other infected people, potentially, has been launched in one of the Czech Republic's regions. However, before the system is launched across the country, the government has extended preventative measures until April the 11th. So we'll have to watch this space to see if the Czech Republic decides to roll out that app more widely. Elsewhere, our reporter Sarah Lawton in Berlin writes this week that German Health Minister Jens Spahn told a press conference in Dusseldorf that he was in favour of using big data, in particular location tracking smartphones, to help combat the spread of COVID-19. And another story within the coronavirus field this week is on internet capacity. So you may recall that recently the EU's Commissioner for the Internal Market, Thierry Breton, said that the internet was under strain due to significantly increased usage as people begin to work from home as part of the new quarantine measures introduced by various European countries. Now, the Body of European Regulators for Electronic Communications, or BEREC, as it is more commonly known, has found this week that overall traffic on fixed and mobile networks has indeed increased during the COVID-19 crisis, but no serious congestion issues that may affect internet usage in Europe have occurred. So for the time being, our web infrastructure is alive and well, despite this significant increase in usage. Now, moving on to the infodemic that we all find ourselves subsumed in amid the ongoing coronavirus crisis, Commission President Ursula von der Leyen asked us this week whether garlic or vitamin C can cure coronavirus and whether the virus only affects old people. No, she responded herself to both questions, adding that all of these claims and others have been identified online or in social media, of course, highlighting the importance of stamping out COVID-19 disinformation. This comes after a meeting between the Commission's Vice President for Values and Transparency, Vera Jourova, on Friday, 
with tech platforms Facebook, Twitter, Google, Microsoft, Mozilla, and the association Edema, uh, in which the platforms assured Eurova that they have started to actively promote coronavirus information emanating from authoritative sources. They have also pledged to demote or remove forbidden or harmful content on the issue. Interestingly enough, we saw a high-profile case of this earlier this week after Twitter removed two tweets from Brazilian President Bolsonaro, which had claimed uh, that the isolation measures were effectively pointless. Now, going over to the UK, the government there are also investing in the misinformation fight uh, against the coronavirus, having put their rapid response unit into operation to identify and resolve a range of harmful narratives online. I don't think we can address the issue of misinformation without making a reference to Hungary this week, of course, after the news that the Hungarian parliament approved new emergency powers on Monday, allowing Fidesz the right to rule by decree. Now, in terms of misinformation, the text of the new bill also states that those who spread false information or and this is important wording here, distorted facts could be prosecuted with terms carrying up to one to five years of imprisonment. I caught up with Andrew Strollheim, the European Media Director at Human Rights Watch, uh, on this issue, and he told me that one particularly disastrous aspect of Orban seizing unlimited power is how the new law will allow the authorities to silence critics. Now, moving on swiftly to other news of the week, and quite a sad story, really, concerning the theft of Van Gogh's Spring Garden painting from a Dutch museum earlier this week. Um, this highlights the need for advanced technology to be used in the fight against art crime, says Stephen Howes, renowned art dealer at Thomas Crown Art, a company that uses blockchain tech to track artworks. Uh, he said earlier this week that tracking these valuable pieces and registering their records creates a chain of custody that documents their ownership and transfer. This can include noting the piece's auctions, sale values, shipment, and other verified information without disclosing sensitive personal data of the owners. We'll have to wait and see if advanced tech will ever be used in such circumstances. Moving on to a bit of policy news, why not? I was informed uh, by a commission official yesterday that the executive is looking to make quick progress on the online terrorist content regulation which is currently stuck in inter-institutional negotiations. Now, as part of the rules, as you may be aware, online platforms would be obliged to remove flagged terrorist content within a one-hour time frame, in addition to potentially introducing proactive measures that could take the form of upload filters, of course, the same upload filters that caused such a hoo-ha um, as part of last year's copyright directive. Now, while the Parliament is against the idea of upload filters being included in the text, the Council and Commission both support this inclusion. Uh, Pirate MEP Patrick Breyer, who is a shadow rapporteur on the file, believes that the Commission's fast tracking of the procedure could be down to the fact that the Executive would like to set a precedent for the upcoming Digital Services Act, which is due to be presented in Q4, whether or not uh, upload filters would feature in any form as part of that proposal remains to be seen, but the backlash against any idea of upload filters in EU legislation has been so strong across the continent, it's hard to 
to see that happening. Breyer has also been making the most out of the lockdown period this week by urging the European Commission to publish reports on the trials of an artificial intelligence lie detector technology known as iBorder Control, which has been bankrolled by the EU's long-term research and development funding mechanism Horizon 2020. Now, the iBorder Control system has been tested on various frontiers throughout the EU and uses advanced artificial intelligence tech to analyse micro-expressions in order to determine whether a user is lying or not. Uh, the system also presents a user with a series of questions in what has been termed as a deception detection procedure. Now, staying with artificial intelligence, last week the European Commission launched an initiative to collect ideas about deployable AI and robotic solutions that could be used in the fight against coronavirus. We cannot escape COVID-19 stories at the moment, unfortunately. Now moving on to the inexorable theme of geopolitics in the field of 5G technologies. Speaking to reporters on the publication of Huawei's 2019 annual report on Tuesday, rotating chairman Eric Zhu said he would expect the Chinese to step in and effectively defend Huawei should the Trump administration decide to impose any further restrictive measures against the firm. The Chinese government will not just stand by while Huawei is slaughtered on the chopping board, Zhu said, adding that he believes the government in Beijing would take countermeasures should the US seek to extend Huawei's entity list designation, which restricts the capacity of US firms to purchase Huawei equipment. Meanwhile, 5G deployment in Europe will certainly be delayed, Due to the ongoing COVID-19 crisis, Zhu also said on Tuesday, and this is something that we are starting to see manifest. Indeed, in Spain, uh, the likelihood of 5G frequency auctions uh, being delayed is, is very high. And also, Euraxis' Philip Krull recently reported that Austria's telecom regulator, RTR, have decided to postpone the auction for 5G frequencies, which were originally planned for April and this is due to the ongoing corona pandemic. And there you go, folks. We finish as we began focusing on the unremitting and never-ending issue of the coronavirus outbreak here in Europe and its impact on the tech world, which I fear will continue for years to come in ways perhaps we may never even realise. That's all we have time for today. Thank you very much for tuning in. You'll hear from me again next week. Okay.